And let's just bow our heads, ask the Lord to speak to our hearts today and change our lives. Lord, we, we love you. We thank you that your Holy Spirit speaks, that you communicate to us. And we pray that you would plant seeds in our heart through your word and, and water it by the Spirit and transform our lives, Lord, that we might bear fruit to your glory. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony today and, and how lives have been profoundly changed for eternity. And last week when, when Jenny, uh, our director of uh, youth, shared how two people came to Christ at camp, we just thank you for these stories. Lord, may lives continue to be touched by you and through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue in our series on heroes and we're really looking at unlikely heroes that are found throughout the scripture. And today I just invite you on a journey with me uh, to look at the story of the making of a hero. The, the story of the making of the hero has, has three main parts. And, and this is pretty consistent throughout scripture and throughout life and, and even uh, books that are written about heroes. But usually it starts, there's three parts to it. Usually starts with an ordinary person uh, living in, in their common situation of life. And, and they're just going along as, as life as usual. And then a calling comes. And the calling could come in the form of a dream or the calling might but might come from just hearing the voice of God or, 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 or the eyes being open to see a need that needs to be met and the invitation to go on a God adventure. And that's how, the, how usually the hero story starts. And, and then there's the threshold, the second part, where the hero then, uh, or yet to be hero, steps through this threshold, steps into that dream or the opportunity that God provides and God uses them to, to meet a challenge, to meet a need, to overcome uh, a, a difficult situation, to defeat the enemy. And then there's the journey home to share the blessing with, with the community. And what, why we, I think we like to go see movies about heroes and read stories about biblical heroes is because it, that's really the circle uh, of our lives as well. Those three parts are in all of us and we identify with that. Maybe we haven't done worldwide exploits or you know, our names aren't in, in record books or history books, but to each one of us, that cycle is there. You know, you, life is, is ordinary. We go along and there's, you know, we eat breakfast and dinner and ha go to work and and come home and go to school and play. And so we have a normal life, but then there's something that calls us to, to something greater, something bigger, a challenge that comes, a, a need that we see. I mean, it could be uh, getting married. I mean, all of a sudden, that's a, a new situation that we're stepping into, a challenge, or having a child. I mean, the first time I had the, my first child, I, it was, I thought, I have no clue of how to be a father. And this is gonna be a new challenge. And, and uh, I want to meet this need. And, and, and so these are little, they're little acts of, of being a hero. You, you get this call, this challenge, this, uh, this uh, voice of the Lord that speaks to you. And you step into that new role. And you want to fulfill God's plan and purpose. And you become a hero in that story. And, and then you get to share with others. And so that's what, that's what we're looking at today. Is, and we're going to go on this journey so we cross, we start with that calling, that challenge out of ordinary life. We cross this th threshold and then we kind of return to share with others. We're just like the story we're going to look at today, Mary, and we're so much like her in the sense that we, we start in ordinary situations. 
We have our fears and our limitations and, and our limited resources, and yet we're called to something new and to step out, and, and then we get to make a difference. So let's journey today with, with Miriam. But Miriam is an unlikely hero, and she, she is the one who really instilled faith in other people. So her key quality was that she was one who had such great faith, but she was able to impart it to others. And we're going to look at three stories. Uh, Miriam's story uh, is, is laced through the book of Exodus, and it's laced through the book of, of Numbers. And uh, it's a story about the older sister of Moses. She was the firstborn in the family. She's the older sister, and uh, she has a real heart for God and a real heart to serve. Uh, and, and she begins to, to do three things that we're going to look at, three major things. The major things are the story of where she watched uh, Moses <clears throat> be placed in an ark or a boat or a basket on the Nile and watched him uh, be taken in by Pharaoh's daughter. We're going to look at the story of where uh, she was there at the crossing of the Red Sea and led all the women in worship and praise. And then we're going to look at another story where she is the one who sings to the rock, leads the, the people into singing and praising God and singing into the rock that provided water for Israel. And if you don't know that story, you'll know it in just a minute. But those are the three main things. She had one kind of negative story. I won't touch on it uh, and go into depth in that. The negative story was there was a time in the wilderness where <clears throat> she was a little bit jealous of, uh, as, uh, of uh, Moses' wife. And so out of that jealousy, she decided to confront Moses and say, hey, listen, I just want you to know that we can hear God just as much as you can. A little bit of rebellion, a little bit of jealousy working in her. So all heroes can have flaws. Is that okay to have? You know, you can have some flaws. She had a little flaw there, but God took care of her. She got struck with leprosy immediately. And, and but it, think of it this way as God just put her in time out for seven days. When she got over time out, she came back and behaved herself and continued on as a servant. So even God puts us into time out. That's not a new concept. So, um, so, she, so that's, that was the only little flaw of, of, of Miriam. Um, <laughs> but here's the, the amazing thing. Look at this verse. This is in Micah. Micah's a minor prophet. And uh, again, so you have to sort of pull the information on these characters from different places, different sources in the Bible. First of all, we've got the Bible, which is the authority, and then the Talmud, which is the oral traditions of the, of the, the rabbis, and, and uh, so we can collect information from there. And then there's Josephus, who was a, really a contemporary of Jesus, and he was a Jewish historian, and so there's some writings there that you pull together. Now, we, of course, the Word of God, we know, is, is, the, is definitive and, and uh, without error. The other, we can kind of get the, get the flavor of the stories and, uh, and trust that they are, they're accurate as possible. But the, the, so this is a scripture, this is in Micah. And the people of God have really become uh, dull to him. They're just living life and, and going about their business and they're really ignoring God. And he says, oh, my people, you can just hear the cry of, of God's heart. And I want you to see God's heart in this story. Uh, and just in this prophecy, this isn't what we're talking about, but this prophecy is, is the cry of God's heart. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? What have I done to make you tired of me? Why aren't you on your adventure? Why aren't you being a hero for me? Answer me. Tell me 
Think about it. He says, for I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam to help you. And he's saying, listen, I sent a family ministry to help. And, and, and I want to use you. It's not, he's not just talking about the three here, but he's trying to communicate to us that he has an adventure for us. He has, a, he has an adventure, and you can be a hero in the story. I, I, you know, I was, I was walking in today, and Ron um, Andrews is a, is a brother here in, in the church, and he was hugging Gloria, uh, giving Gloria, uh, not Gloria, um, um, I'm sorry, um, Gladys. Gloria went to be with the Lord. I'm, yeah, I was thinking about her recently this morning. I was praying for you, Candace, Candy. Um, but uh, getting all names mixed up. But anyway, Gl- Gloria, Gl- but Gladys, Gladys is, is, was sitting in the chair and he came by and hugged her. Now I'm telling you that that act of kindness, love, and giving attention to her was, I saw God smiling over that simple act. And, uh, and, and of course, uh, Anne was helping her in. And there's, so Gladys has a need. You know, she's, she has a need with, with uh, physical needs. And there is Anne being a hero, walking her in. And, and there's Ron giving her a hug on the way in. And he ushers and does all these things, but he wasn't too busy. He was a good Samaritan and gave her a hug and, and spoke to her and gave her some gave her some love. And what I'm saying is that those, that's what heroes do. Heroes care about others. Heroes serve others. Heroes minister to others because heroes are listening to God and letting his love flow through them. And, and, so, I, I, and so we're invited to be heroes. We're invited to, to have this relationship and say, Lord, what's my assignment? And how can I make you known today? Just like our, our uh, mission statement, we want to know you, Lord, and we want to make you known. And uh, so that's what I, I see. It just it blows my mind. It, it, it amazes me when we, get, we understand that we're in, every one of us is invited on a God adventure. And so here's what God is saying through this is I just want you to see that God didn't just send Moses as, a, as, as the deliverer. And we always focus on Moses. But Aaron was a vital part. He was an older brother of Moses and Miriam was a vital part. And they were all called to help the children of Israel come out of slavery. It was these three siblings that had this calling. And why, why would God choose this family? I'll tell you one of the things that we can know about this family is, is that I believe that they were called uh, because of their father. This, these siblings had a father. His name was Amram, Amram. Amran, his name means friend of the most high. And Jacobed, Jacobed was the mother, his wife. And her name means Jehovah is glory. Jehovah is glory. So friend of God and Jehovah is glory. These were the parents of these three siblings of, of uh, Miriam and, and Aaron and Moses, uh, the, the three siblings were raised by these people who loved God and feared God and walked with God and, and prayed for deliverance. I believe that they saw the condition of, of the Israelites and where they were praying, God, deliver us, send a deliverer, Lord, send a deliverer, set us free. And they were crying out and God sent them, all three children along the way. 
So you know the backstory. They grew up. So Israel uh, was was uh, planted in Egypt uh, way back 400 years earlier, about 430 years earlier. They were uh, first they they were settled in the land of Goshen. This was Joseph and his family. They settled in the land of Goshen, and which is uh, kind of at the mouth of the Nile. And they flourished and they grew and. Uh, pretty soon, after about 400 years, they became about 2.5 million people. And a pharaoh came into power who didn't uh, know their history. And he was fearful and he was paranoid. And he said two things might happen. These slaves could rebel and take over and run us out. Or they could leave, and if they pack up and leave one day, they'll destroy our economy because all of our workers will be gone. And, and so he thought, well, I need to hold them in bondage. We need to put the, we need to keep them weakened. We need to, matter of fact, he got so paranoid, he said, I'm going to put out a, an edict, and I'm going to declare that all the Hebrew boys be thrown into the Nile. And so every time there's a birth of a boy, I want him to be thrown into the Nile, fed to the crocodiles. And so that was the law of the land that came out. That's, and, and he was paranoid. By the way, I want to say this about stories and about becoming heroes. When we act upon the concept of fear, this is what the king did, our story turns out bad. We're not the hero, we're the villain. He acted out of paranoia and fear, and he became the villain, Pharaoh. But when you act out of faith and overcome the fear and the limitations, you end up the hero. So think about your story. You know, do you make decisions based on fear? Based on what, the, what could go wrong? Uh, do you make decisions based on, on uh, your limitations or your resources? Or do you look and say, nothing is too difficult for my God. Nothing is too hard. And step through that and become a hero in your story, your God story. So here's what happens. The, the Pharaoh, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile, uh, but you may let the girls live. And again, the idea was he wanted to, he didn't want a future army to arise. So he was, he wanted them to be drowned and, and, uh, and he wanted them to be killed. So uh, this starts the, the story where God has a plan. He's answering the parents' prayers to bring a deliverer. And so the adventure starts. About this time, a man and a woman, and this was Abram, Abram and Jacobed. Uh, uh, and they had their, they, first they had Miriam, then the second child they had was Aaron, and now they're getting ready to give birth to Moses And it says the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. That was Moses. She saw that he was a special baby. And the word there, special baby, was that she actually believed he was the deliverer. He was the one that was sent from God. In the King James, I think it's translated a beautiful baby. But that, that's not accurate translation because everybody has a beautiful baby. Right? I mean, when you have a baby, it's beautiful. It might not be to you, but it's beautiful to you. It's, your baby's beautiful. So everybody has a beautiful baby. So it wasn't that. It, it was a special baby. They said, this baby's got this grace on it, an anointing on it. There's something special about this baby. And, and it says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, 
they placed the baby in the Nile River. They believed that God had a rescue plan. And it wasn't, they weren't just pushing the baby off into fate uh, or some hope or just hope. But they said that God's got a plan. He's going to be saved and he's going to save us. And so they held the baby. They kept the baby. They hid the baby for three months. That's, I don't know how they did that. That's hard to do. Um, but they, they somehow were able to keep this little baby quiet and a little baby no, Moses. And, and after uh, a time, they couldn't hide him any longer. And so they prayed and came up with a plan. And here's what happened. She got a basket. Or actually, it's interesting, it's the word ark, which means boat. It's the same word. It's only used twice for the ark of the covenant and the ark or the basket that baby Moses was placed in. It was an ark of salvation for mankind, for the people of God. She got a basket and made it of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and with pitch. And she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. The baby's sister, which was Miriam, stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. And so this, this basket was carefully woven and the pitch was put on it. And I was teaching this one time to my, my children in, in devotions at home. We would always act things out and we got a little basket and we <laughs> pretended we were making it and putting the baby in it. We put some baby doll in it. And, uh, and I, I always did something crazy. So I threw the, threw the baby into the living room and the baby tumbled out. I said, I don't think they did it that way, did they? And kids laughed. I said, how do you think that they, they did this? And so I put the baby doll in the basket and I pushed it out. And, and I said, you know, just like I love you guys, does mother, the mother and father love that baby. And I guarantee you that basket had no holes. It was tested over and over again. That was a perfect basket because they wanted to make sure that baby was launched perfectly. And while I was teaching my, my kids the story, the Lord spoke to me and he said, one day you're going to launch your kids and I want you to build a basket of, of, of character and identity and of love and faith for God so that when you launch them into the world, they'll fulfill God's destiny. And so I saw raising my kids as building that basket because I knew one day I would launch them. And uh, then I found out they come back sometimes. But anyway, <laughs> but, I, but I launched them. And so if you're a parent, think of it. If you're raising your children, think of it as building a basket that you're launching them. A, a basket, again, of, of faith. You want to impart a faith in a relationship with God is when I say faith. Uh, character, godly character, identity. Calling and purpose is another one that you want to put in, instill in them. God has a calling and purpose for them, for their lives. So here's what I want you to see about Miriam, though. What she did was she actually stood and watched. But she, she stood and she watched in the sense of, of, of vigilant watching or praying and expecting to see the salvation of God. So let's just read through the story real quick. It says, soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. Then the princess saw the basket among the reeds and she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby and the little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be the one that he, this must be one of the Hebrew children. And so she knew from the very beginning that this was a Hebrew boy. But she didn't say, I need to do what Pharaoh, my father, 
says and put him to death. He said, I, this, is, this is something special about this child. So then, and, and what happened was then the baby's sister saw that the princess drew him out of the river and she ran to her and she said, should I go? And hey, 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 I hear the baby's crying. And so she says, should I go and find a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby for you? And she asked, yes, do, she said. The princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. So she got her, she got her mother to come and nurse the baby. And so the, so the first like five years of Moses' life, he was raised in his mother's home with his older sister, Miriam, and, and she's nursing him and telling the stories and telling him his character and his purpose and his identity. They're praying that and speaking that over this little baby that's growing and being nursed. Now this is the craziest thing. It says, take this baby and nurse him for me, he says to the mother. Uh, the princess told the baby's mother, and I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her, the baby home and nursed her. So this was the first maternity leave that was paid. <laughs> you think that's a new idea? This is maternity leave with pay initiated by God. Isn't that amazing? That just blows my mind. We think that's a new idea and here's God providing. <laughs> so what do we uh you know, take the baby and nurse him yeah that's I, i'm sorry I'm, uh Miriam expressed faith as she stood and watched and expected there was this faith she she wasn't just a a, a little girl that was on the side of, of the river, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. We're not sure how old she was, but somewhere in there, she was the older sister and there was a child in between. So there she st stood and as she stood, the, the Hebrew word there means to be stationed or positioned like a guard. She was guarding baby Moses. She, she was standing there and she was watching. And so there's a sense that she was praying and expecting salvation from God. Okay, God, we put her... We put the baby here, I'm believing he's the deliverer. We're looking for what you're doing. And so I'm gonna stand and I'm going to pray and I'm going to see the salvation of God. I'm gonna see God's plan unfold in my eyes. Now fast forward as we did earlier today, fast forward to this story. They're standing at the, at the river, at the Red Sea. And there's Miriam with Moses. And Moses, it says he stood and he said, watch and see the salvation of God when he parted the Red Sea. And I believe the reason why Moses was encouraged to say that is because his older sister would tell him the story. I, I stood and I watched and I saw the salvation of God. And then here's Moses repeating the story, but he's in his own story. And he's a, he's a hero in that story, but he's saying the same thing. I'm, everybody stand. And watch and see the salvation of God. I believe that was imparted to him in family devotions in little Abram's house and Jacobed's stories and his older sister. You know, I'm sure his older sister never let him forget that story. Just got a feeling. All right. Now let's go to what happens at the Red Sea. So that's the first story. She stood she stood, she, she watched God work, and she expected God 
to bring salvation. Here's the next story. This is when they get on the other side of the Red Sea. And it says that Miriam was a prophetess. So she spoke, she heard from God and spoke out words from the Lord. And a lot of singing, she did a lot of singing. And um, she, what she did was when they got to the other side, she took a, a tambourine or, or a drum, not sure quite what that instrument was, but uh, she took it in her hand and she led all the women in a dance of praise. And it says that Miriam would sing back. The, Moses sang a song and then she sang the chorus. She wrote the chorus and it says, sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. So this is right after the children of Israel went through the Red Sea and, and came to the other side and the horse and the rider, that was the Egyptians that tried to follow them in to reclaim them as slaves and to put the old taskmasters to rule back over them. And they came through the other side, the waters closed up and on that side, Moses began to praise God. And then a chorus was started by Miriam and that chorus was singing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider is thrown into the sea. What I see there is, is that, first of all, redemption, when you see God save, uh, you, it, it leads to praise and worship. And, and what, what I appreciate about Miriam, though, is that she called others into praise. So she instilled faith into the people of God by singing. Uh, the Wesleyan brothers uh, in, in the Methodist faith uh, there were two of them there. John Wesley was what we really normally hear about and because he was the circuit rider preacher. But he had a brother and his brother wrote hymns. And one time in later years, uh, John Wesley said of his brother, he said, more people are singing my brother's hymns than are remembering my sermons. Because there's something about song that gets into our hearts and we sing for centuries and centuries. And so Miriam wrote songs, and they were sung for centuries. Bible says in Psalm 34, it says, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. And, and I just appreciate that we can magnify the Lord. Magnifying the Lord, <laughs> you can't make God bigger than he really is. I mean, he's already magnified, but you magnify him in your heart. You magnify him in your mind. Your soul can magnify the Lord. You can magnify him in your emotions. Uh, so we're really magnifying God in ourselves as he's already magnified. But when you help encourage others to worship, you're magnifying the Lord. So a couple of things. She stood, she watched, she expected, and she praised the Lord for the great things that he's done. That's, the, that's what she did to instill faith in others. And there's this one kind of last story that I want to tell you about, about Miriam. And this was, and it's an interesting story in the Bible. Um, Moses, uh, when he was asked to provide food, they, the children of Israel complained about food. They said, there's no food and we don't have any, we're not happy. We don't have uh, the food that, to eat. Moses prayed and, and uh, gave instructions to the children of Israel that manna would be provided. And so Moses is kind of connected to the grace and the release of the manna. Eventually they got tired of manna uh, and they complained about that. The children of Israel repeated their story too. They always saw limitations and never saw God. But, the, but Moses and, and uh, the, the, the other siblings released grace 
And God wants to release grace to, through us. But they had, uh, you know, they, the people of, uh, of God complained about, about the manna eventually. But Moses brought the manna. The cloud and the pillar was connected to Abram, uh, was connected to Aaron because Aaron, when he set, lit the sacrifice, that cloud stood over the tabernacle of God. And through uh, Miriam, it's connected with the source of water. Uh, there is a rock that followed the children of Israel around. We don't know if they rolled it or put it on a cart, but there was this rock. And the rock, uh, the best that the Talmud, the, the tradition of the rabbis say is that it was like a, a bowl with a sieve on the bottom. It had holes in the bottom. And Moses, the first time, uh, was called to strike the rock and water came out of it. So they kind of had a portable well. It's really an amazing story. It was a miracle, just like the manna. This was a miracle, and they would carry this rock, and they would put it down and kind of nestle it down into the earth, and then water would come out of it, and it would be a source of water. They always had a, a mobile well. Pretty amazing. And, but the first time that the well came into existence, it was Moses was called to strike it with, a, with, a, with, a, with his rod. And so he hit it with a staff, and water came out and started to flow. After that, they were never to strike it again. They were only supposed to speak to it. But Miriam wrote a song. And the song, when they put the well down, she would sing this song, Spring Up, O Well, within my, we sing, Spring Up, O Well, within my soul. But that's where it came, Spring Up, O Well. And the well would start to flow. And so she was the one who would sing to the well. And she'd lead everybody else to sing to the well because they got to see that miracle, that living water. Now, we know in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says that that rock was Christ. It was symbolic of Christ because he was the one that was struck for us. When, when he was struck on the cross, when he was crucified, his life, his, the well, the Holy Spirit began to flow to us because our sins were forgiven and he became the source of life. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come after me and I will give him living water. I will give them and the water will spring up for eternity within them. And so this is what this is what Miriam did. So she sang the song. Here's what she sang. It says when the Israelites had traveled to beer and beer didn't come out. Water did. But anyway, that was just the name of the place. That's a joke. Anyway, never. Um, uh, but they traveled to a place called beer, uh, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, assemble the people and I will give them water. There the Israelites sang this song, spring up, oh well, spring up, oh well, yes, sing its praises. And so they began to sing. They sang to their, their need and up came the water. They sang to the, the Lord who is the supply of the need. So Miriam instilled faith by singing God's word and singing it with confidence and and faith, believing that God would move. So what does this all mean to us? I, I want you to think about your life. And it might seem to be an ordinary life. And you're just living life and doing the best you can. But I don't want you to, to be guided by fear or limitation or limited resources. God doesn't want us to, to be limited in any way. He wants us to go on a God adventure with him. So ask him. 
What is it that he's putting on your heart? What, what's in, what faith? What is it that you want to believe God for? Let him stir up your heart. Spend some time in, in prayer. Look around at the needs around you and see those needs and begin to say, Lord, I believe that you can meet those needs. You can answer our situation. You can answer our problems. Uh, like we can complain about the problems. That's what the children of Israel did. Or we can be like Miriam who said, Lord, you've got the answers. And people like Moses and Aaron, you've got the answers. And we're going to look to you for those answers and begun to go on a God adventure and watch the enemy defeat, be defeated. One of the needs that I've seen in this area, I've had a burden for high school kids. I don't work with the youth, but I've had such a burden because I've seen such, I've, there's been a lot of overdoses in the schools around here and there's drugs and there's a lot of stuff going on. And it's a need, well, I'm not gonna complain about it, I'm praying, but in my praying, Either I'll pray a Moses into existence or I'll pray myself into it, but whatever, I believe we'll step up and meet that need. We can make a difference. See, the thing about being a hero is just simply saying, God, I'm available and I want to make a difference. And I'm not going to be limited by fears, resources, or, or my own situation. I don't want to live an ordinary life. I want to make a difference in this life. And so you go on a God adventure. And you end up being a hero. That's not the goal. You're not trying to be a hero. You're just a hero in, God, in a God story. Ultimately, he gets the glory and everybody realizes he's the ultimate hero. And you get to share what God has done with the community. And so I encourage you to, today to go on this miracle journey. Um, Pastor Perry's going to come now and lead us in, in communion. But I do want, as he's coming, I want us to to give you a comparison because uh, between uh, Miriam and Mary. Mary is just a Greek derivative of Miriam. It's the same name and I want you to see some similarities. Miriam, uh, she was called uh, to help bring forth a deliverer. And Mary, of course, brought forth Jesus, the deliverer. Moses was for human deliverance and Jesus was the Messiah for spiritual deliverance. Both of them watched over infants even when wicked kings were trying to kill them. And both of them sang songs. Mary, Mary sang the Magnificat. And both of them responded in faith to the Lord. Both of them saw God redeem Israel and God redeem the world. They, got, they saw God as a redeemer. And so I want to close with this thought. Sing to the Lord. Like Mary, uh, Miriam would tell us, sing to the Lord. She, it's an instruction. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He wants us to sing. Sing his praise. Watch and see the salvation of God. You see a problem, you're called to be a problem solver. So sing and watch what he'll do.